0: line a long time ago galaxy far far away the clone armies of the republic are spread out across the galaxy fighting droid armies of the separatist movement and from the front lines of the battle comes front lines the clone wars podcast with your host michael cohen and now michael cohen welcome to the fourth episode of front lines the clone wars podcast this is a mega, super, epic-sized episode for uh, three episodes, Ambush, Rising Malevolence, and Shadow of Malevolence. Uh, this is your host, Michael Cohen. I apologize for coming to you so late uh, and not having this episode out last week. Uh, as I went to record, the uh, the software actually, actually crashed, actually just as I finished, so I uh, so I went out and I got some new audio recording software and here I am to record a new episode and, and we had a new episode air in between, which was uh, Shadow of Malevolence. So I'm just going to go ahead and recap all three episodes as well as give some uh, some news about about the Clone Wars and, and how we're doing. Um, since it's such a big episode and I've got so much to recap, I'm going to get right into the news. So here we are. The premiere was just a week ago Friday. And uh, it was awesome. I loved it. I, I, there isn't really anything else that I can say. It was just awesome. Plain and simple. Uh, and the majority of you guys out there agree. I got uh, lots of fan mail after the episode. Um, the listenership actually spiked by about 400 downloads the night of the premiere. So, so obviously there's an interest. And, uh, and this, this uh, piece of news here actually came from Reuters. And it says, uh, The Force was strong for Cartoon Network as Star Wars The Clone Wars became the channel's most watched series premiere ever. The computer animated series from Lucasfilm Animation averaged 4 million total viewers in its debut at 9 p.m. Friday according to Nielsen Media Research. The previous record holder was the April 18th series premiere of Ben 10 Alien Force with 2.9 million total viewers. Cartoon Network said the Star Wars spinoff ranked as the number one channel among all major kids networks in the time slot among total viewers as well as in the key youth demos of kids 2 to 11 1.8 million, kids 6 to 11 1.4 million, and tweens 9 to 14 1.2 million the largest in the demo for any premier telecast of an original cartoon series. So there you go Star Wars breaking records and not not just like breaking the records not going from 2.9 million to 3 million but going from 2.9 million and setting the record now at 4 million. So let's see somebody topple that. Uh, uh, my guess is only next year's series uh, season premiere. And uh, and and the best series premiere of a of an original cartoon ever, essentially. And but what less do we expect? It's Star Wars, right? And Star Wars always breaks records, no matter where it goes. Uh, so so there you go. I mean, we don't expect any less. So great news! Congratulations to everyone involved in the Clone Wars. Uh, The show is obviously a huge success, and there's only been three episodes so far. So, uh, continued success to them, which I'm sure they're going to get. Other news the webcomic launched just before uh, the premiere last Friday. And uh, for those of you who haven't checked out the webcomics yet, I'm sure most of you probably have. Uh, They're on starwars.com. If you head over there, they've got sort of a an online web comic reader it's kind of cool you, you like flip pages by you grab grab a page to the corner of a page with your mouse and you kind of flip it yourself so you can check that out what's really cool is that each uh issue each sort of mini issue because they're only about four or five pages long is a prologue to that week's episode so, uh, last Friday there was uh, a prologue to Ambush as well as Rising Malevolence, and then this past, I I believe it was Wednesday, it got updated with the prologue to Shadow of Malevolence. And it's cool, because they touch on aspects of the episodes that, that you don't get in the episode. So... It's stuff that we wouldn't normally know otherwise unless you're reading the comics so it's almost a necessity that you be reading the web comics so that you know everything that's going on so if you haven't checked those out check them out be sure to get over there before the next episode because there will be another prologue that will explain more Um, and the first couple issues were uh, were drawn by tom hodges who is actually a member of our uh facebook group so that's pretty awesome that uh that a a member of our facebook group is actually like the uh, official star wars artist and and working on the clone wars web comics which is just i couldn't be more excited about that so and they're great comics so There you go. So head over to StarWars.com and check those out. Uh, Other news, Clone Wars is available on iTunes. Uh, You can now get uh, all three episodes that have aired so far for $1.99 per episode. Or you can pay $39.99 and get the whole season pass. What's great about the season pass is that you just pay the one time. And then every week when new episodes go up online uh, they will automatically be downloaded right into your iTunes. So you don't even have to go look for them. You don't have to go download them yourself or, uh, go purchase them again. Once you've made your purchase of the season pass, they'll just automatically download as long as your iTunes browser is open and set to check for new episodes. So that's pretty wicked. Uh, unfortunately it's only available in the United States as far as I know. Um, I know it's not available here in Canada because I tried to get it I'd be downloading the episodes that way if I could but unfortunately it's not available here so if you're Canadian like me I suggest you you uh email starwars.com as lucasfilm or lucas online lucas Animation maybe and just beg and plead that we get these things on iTunes in the Canada store because uh Obviously, we want to download them. We we, we love the show just as much as the Americans, so so why not offer the episodes to us as well? Um, but if if you don't want to pay 199 or $39.99 for the season pass, you can head to StarWars.com and you can actually watch episodes there. However, they'll only go up uh, a week after they've already aired on TV, so... For instance, this past Friday when Shadow of Malevolence aired on Cartoon Network, you could head over to StarWars.com and watch Ambush as well as Rising Malevolence, uh, the full episode right there. But again, only available in the United States as far as I know. They're region locked. So uh, no go for us Canadian viewers, which, uh, which in fact in Canada on CTV we are a week behind because last week we only got... Ambush. We didn't get Rising Malevolence. So this week will be Rising Malevolence, and next week will be Shadow of Malevolence for those of us uh, in Canada. So if you're listening in Canada, I am going to go over Rising Malevolence and Shadow of Malevolence. So uh, as well on the website, the episode descriptions have all been updated. You can head over there, you can watch videos, which are uh, you get like the preview of the upcoming episode as well as a sort of a, a behind the scenes commentary for each episode and that's all on starwars.com as well there's links to the webcomic as well and after the episode has aired a, a fairly lengthy episode description goes up so head over there to starwars.com and you can check that stuff out there's also some cool uh, artwork like concept art that they that they include in those episode descriptions So check that out on StarWars.com. That is the news for this week, and now I'm going to head into the recap. So let's start with Ambush, the first episode, the premiere episode of The Clone Wars. In an effort to establish a supply base on Toydaria, Master Yoda travels to the coral moon Rugosa to meet with King Katunko, leader of Toydaria. However, the Jedi are not the only ones seeking an alliance with the Toydarians. Dooku's apprentice, Asajj Ventress, beats Yoda to the secret rendezvous and attempts to sway Katunko in the Separatist's favor. As the Republic envoy arrives on Agrugosa, two Separatist frigates jump in from hyperspace, ambushing the Jedi Master and his troops. Yoda, Lieutenant Thayer, and two troopers, uh, Rice and Jack, board an escape pod in a dash to the planet's surface. In order to ensure their safe landing, the Republic cruiser also jettisons all other pods as cover, while it retreats to call for backup. Ventress takes the cruiser's retreat as a sign of Yoda's defeat, insisting that the Separatists will offer better protection than the Republic. But as she makes this claim, Master Yoda contacts Katunko from the planet's surface, ensuring that he will make their appointment, although he may be a little late. Ventress then proposes a wager. If the diminutive Jedi can evade capture, Toydaria will side with the Republic, but should he fail to arrive by nightfall, then Katunko will join the Confederacy of Independent Systems. Katunko is hesitant, but Yoda agrees to the terms, assuring that he will arrive by nightfall. As Yoda and his troops begin to make their way to the rendezvous, not heading in a direct route to evade the battle droid Battalion Ventress has deployed, they use the dense cover of the Coral Moon. Uh, managing to keep out of range of the Separatist tanks, forcing the droids to send infantry and small patrols. Using wisdom over strength, Yoda and the clones manage to outflank the droids, easily laying waste to the small advance force. However, a third patrol, this time of super battle droids, catches up to the clones, who have become separated from Master Yoda. In the escape, Thire is injured, narrowly escaping death. Arriving in the nick of time, as Jedi are prone to do, Yoda uses the force to turn the lead SBD on the others, blasting them to pieces. Unfortunately, three rollers uh, catch up and destroy and deploy their shields. The clones make a hasty retreat while Yoda covers them, perched on one of the troopers' backsides. They find a cave to take refuge in while they take stock of their supplies. With minimal ammunition and being severely outnumbered, the clones are certain of their eventual defeat. Yoda, however, is not so convinced. He asks that the troops remove their helmets so that he may see their faces. The clones are amused, citing that they all look the same, but Yoda insists that they are each distinct in the eyes of the Force. Imparting his unique Jedi wisdom to each one of them, he reassures the troops that they can defeat the droids using their unique talents. And relying on the force for guidance. The moment is interrupted by the sound of the approaching droid battalion. For, from a bluff high above the droids, the Jedi and his troops survey the situation. Yoda informs the troops that he will take care of them himself. Thyra is not convinced, but Yoda reassures him that he will know when it is, when it is the right time for them to help. He makes his way down the bluff, seating himself in the path of the oncoming tanks. The droids are confused at the Jedi's actions, radioing to Ventress that they have found the Jedi, and that he is just sitting there. Furiously, Ventress orders the droids to attack, but it is too late. Yoda springs into action, making his way under the lead tank. Using his lightsaber, he cuts a hole in the tank's bottom, leaping inside and destroying its occupants. Emerging from the tank, Yoda manages to once again turn the droid forces on themselves, using one tank to destroy the other. Katunko seems convinced that all the stories he's heard about the Jedi are true, citing that a Jedi, one Jedi is not worth a hundred battle droids, but instead a thousand. At this, Ventress de- deploys a squad of destroyer droids to dispatch the Jedi Master. From atop the bluff, Thyre and his troops spot the incoming droidicas and worry that Yoda won't notice them as he is too busy dealing with their last tank. Fire takes action, launching their only rocket and an unstable outcropping, sending several large boulders toppling down onto the destroyers. Katunko informs Count Dooku that he has decided to join the Republic, as Ventress has gone against her word and not provided Yoda with a fair fight. Dooku is displeased with this and orders Ventress to kill King Katunko. Arriving once again in the nick of time, Yoda stops Ventress. Realizing she is defeated, Ventress triggers an explosion, causing a rock slide to rain down on them. Using the force, Yoda catches the boulders, but while he is distracted, Ventress escapes in her solar sailor. Katunko pledges his loyalty to the Republic, offering Yoda a ceremonial sword as a symbol of their new alliance. Yoda accepts just as the Republic forces arrive on Rugosa. So that was an awesome episode totally wicked uh, and especially for a premiere it was pretty intense and it kind of had everything that that I was hoping that this new series would have it had some totally awesome action sequences it had really really cool new location the coral moon which was just it was really unique not really anything that we've seen in Star Wars which is cool to see new locations and then on top of that, I mean, the most important, the best part of this episode was Yoda and the way that he uh, sort of imparted his wisdom on the clones, even though they were clones. He, he treated them almost like he would uh, Padawans, uh, sort of telling them to quiet their minds and, and feel the force. And, and sort of giving them a little bit of that insight into, uh, into how the Jedi perceive things. As well as, you know, sort of talking about how each one of the clones is unique, even though they might all share the same face, and they all look the same. Uh, in the Force, they're all completely different. which is a really cool moment. Uh, and, and it sort of, it reminds me more of The Empire Strikes Back Yoda, than it does the episode 2 or episode 3 Yoda. Especially the episode 1 Yoda, because I mean the episode 1 Yoda was kind of, that wasn't Yoda at all in my opinion. So it was cool to see him be that wise and, and that teacher that, that we haven't seen him really portrayed as in the prequels, uh, with the exception of maybe a couple of scenes. So it was cool to see that. And, uh, and, and as well as the mischievous side of Yoda, which was really cool to see him sort of making light of things and joking around and, and just sort of sitting down in front of the tanks and waiting for them to come to him. And, and that whole sort of, sort of the, the Taoist side of Yoda where he's just, you know, things are going to happen and he'll deal with them as they happen. He's not going to worry too much because, uh, the more, the more you worry, the, the worse things get. So. Which is actually sort of something that we see in, in a couple of the other episodes as well. We see, we see that with Master Plo Koon in the next episode. So, kind of cool to see a bit more of the Jedi. To see them on a more one-on-one basis. And not in the middle of sort of this epic story of the prequels. So that we can see a little bit more character. A little bit more uh, of, of their unique quirks as, as Jedi Masters. As well as seeing the unique quirks of the clones, which is something that we definitely didn't see in the movies. So getting, getting that side of things with the clone troopers and sort of seeing that they each have unique personalities. And that although they're all cloned from the same person, from Jango Fett, they're not like Jango specifically. They're not like anybody specifically. They're just like themselves. Uh, They're, they're each unique individuals, which is really cool to see. It's something that we got in a lot of the books as well as uh, the comics, but we haven't really gotten that, uh, in, in sort of this animated or, uh, the story version before. So really cool to see that. And overall a great episode, um, probably my number two out of these three episodes but, uh, but for the premiere, definitely my number one. It was wicked, and, and a wicked start to the series. So from there, we move on to Rising Malevolence, the second episode of the premiere. And part one in this uh, sort of malevolence saga, this three-part uh, episode about, about this new Separatist warship. Jedi Master Plo Koon is on the hunt for a secret Separatist superweapon. He finds the new warship, Malevolence, in the Abrogado system, but before engaging it, he insists on relaying his position to the Republic. He contacts General Skywalker, who is stationed on the nearby system of Bith. Unfortunately, Skywalker and his Padawan have been given strict orders to protect the staging area. Their conversation is cut short as the Separatist ship begins jamming their communications and prepares to attack Master Plo's fleet. The mystery weapon fires its primary weapon, a large ion cannon that disables the Republic ship's defenses. As the Separatists open fire on the now defenseless Republic forces, Master Flow orders that they all evacuate to the escape pods. Commander Wolf and two troopers Sinker and Boost, along with Master Flow, board a pod and blast off. In response, Dooku orders Grievous to launch the pod hunter. Anakin reports that they have lost all contact with Master Plo. Yoda, Mace Windu, Master Kenobi, and Chancellor Palpatine assume the worst, as no survivors have ever been found in the wake of the malevolence. It is clear that the Separatists want no witnesses left alive. Anakin is ordered to stay where he is, as the Republic cannot afford to lose any more ships in a rescue attempt. Ahsoka speaks out against this, urging that there may yet be survivors, but the Council is clear in its decision. Anakin scolds her for speaking out of turn, and warns that she needs to be more mindful. He then orders Admiral Yalarin to keep deployed in the system while he takes a ship and scouts ahead for enemy activity. Back in the life pod, Master Plo and his troops are derelict, floating with limited communications and running out of life support. As the troops work on restoring power to the pod, Commander Wolf and Master Plo discuss their chances of survival. Wolf was not so confident, but Plo assures him that they are working together that if they work together, they will survive. Sinker com- comments that strategically, it makes no sense for the Republic to come looking for survivors, but Master Plo insists that he values their lives more than finding the Separatist superweapon. Just then, they spot another pod floating near nearby. It turns to reveal that the viewport has been ruptured, and a lifeless clone hangs out of it. They are not alone. The Twilight lifts off from Anakin's flagship, Resolute, and Skywalker orders R2 to input coordinates. The Spice Freighter blasts into hyperspace. They arrive in the Abrogado system, and Anakin tells R2 to set the scanners to detect life. Ahsoka is pleased, but a bit confused, as Anakin had told her that they were to follow orders. Anakin explains that it's not about following orders, but about how they follow those orders that matters. The clones continue to work on restoring power to the pod, managing to get communications back. Just as they do, a transmission comes from Pod 1977 as it is being attacked by the Pod Hunter. Master Plo and the others listen in horror as the droids burst the seal on the life pod's atmosphere, sending the occupants into space. Back on the twilight, Ahsoka tells Anakin about how she met Master Plo. He was the Jedi who found Ahsoka on her home planet and brought her to the Jedi Temple. Just then, R2 chimes up with a transmission from Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan scolds Anakin and warns him that he needs to rendezvous with the rest of the fleet. Just then, Archer receives signs of life from in the debris field. The pod hunter has also managed to find Master Plo and his troops, and closes in on the pod. Master Plo, whose Keldor physiology can withstand the vacuum of space, leads Boost and Sinker out of the pod to engage the battle droids. The pod hunter's clamps begin to crush the life pod, as Wolf receives a transmission from Ahsoka. Unfortunately, their signal is not strong enough, and the Twilight cannot pinpoint the pod's position. Outside, Master Plo and the clones fight back the rocket-propelled battle droids. Plo uses the force to send Sinker and fl- to flank the droids, while he loosens the pod hunter's grip with his lightsaber. They manage to defeat the bo- pod hunter, but it may be too late. Back on the Twilight, Chancellor Palpatine has contacted Anakin and warns warns him that the Jedi Council is not pleased with his actions, that he needs to return to the rendezvous. Anakin agrees and begins to turn the ship around, but just, just then Ahsoka senses Master Plo in the debris field, and takes control of the ship. Using the tow cable, they pull the life pod into the Twilight's cargo bay. The ship's medical droid tends to the injured clones, while Master Plo reports the Malevolence's secret weapon. As he explains an alarm sounds, the Malevolence has returned. Master Plo hurriedly shuts down the ship's power so as not to be detected, also shutting down R2. But they forgot about the medical droid. The Malevolence moves to attack position and charges the ion cannon. The Twilight navigates through the debris field as the Malevolence fires its primary weapon. The ship clears the debris field just in time, making the jump to hyperspace, narrowly escaping the ion blast. Count Dooku is most displeased with Grievous. Back on the Resolute, Anakin must make his report to the council and insist that Ahsoka be there to share the blame. So that was the second episode of the premiere. Uh, not quite as strong as the first. It was actually, my opinion, a little bit slow. It, it, it kind of took a while to get going. The end was pretty great with, with uh, Anakin making his way through the debris field, sort of navigating it quickly and, uh, and just escaping the the, uh, ion cannon, but, but we kinda, we kinda jumped right into it, uh, and then we were stuck in the life pod, sort of, while Anakin and Ahsoka argued back and forth about whether or not they were gonna come save them, and it's kinda like, well, if you guys would stop arguing for five minutes and just, you know, go save them, you, uh, you know, you, you'd use the same amount of time, so... Uh, it was kind of silly going back and forth and bickering about it and then Anakin doing it anyways. but Anakin's actions and the way he sort of twists their mandate to serve his purpose was really interesting because it sort of shows that side of Anakin that's prone to the dark side it's not necessarily evil like you couldn't call it evil because uh, he wants to go save them but he also has been given direct orders to stay where he is because there's a more important uh, task that he has to do. But he takes, he takes his mandate from the Jedi Council and he twists it to, to serve his own purpose like we've seen him do before. I mean, he does it in Episode 2 to, uh, to say that, that they have to find uh, Padme's killer because it's implied in the mandate. But it's not a direct order that they have to do that. And so, we see Anakin doing that in this episode, and it's interesting, because it's almost like he deceives himself into thinking that, oh, well, he's going to do whatever he wants, but he's still doing the right thing, even though he's not necessarily doing the right thing. I mean, obviously, saving uh, Master Plo and the Clone Troopers is the right thing to do, but going against the Order, it's it's, it's a very gray area, and you can kind of argue it back and forth. But the most interesting part about all of it is that he's passing these teachings on to Ahsoka, which sort of leads me to believe uh, that her fate might not be what we thought it was going to be before. I know a lot of people were under the impression that uh, because Ahsoka isn't in Episode 3 and we've never heard of her before, that she's either dead or she's run away or left the Jedi Order in some way. Um, but, and I'm kind of going out on a limb here. it's a pretty bold statement. But I'm thinking that Ahsoka might turn to the dark side. Uh, the reason why I think that is because she's being trained by Anakin. She's a lot younger than any other Padawan. She might not be well enough equipped to deal... With sort of the gray areas that Anakin operates in. He's so, he's, he doesn't exactly operate in the uh, in the strict light side of the force like someone like Obi-Wan does. Uh, but he's not necessarily evil yet, right? He's still a hero. But he does operate in this gray area and Ahsoka is right there with him. And, uh, and Yoda even comments in the episode that the two of them together are twice the trouble and uh and and i think he's right and i think that the one who's going to take the brunt of of those bad decisions is going to be ahsoka because she's going to learn to do things like twist the mandate around and 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 i mean that's what ends up leading anakin down that path his way of twisting the truth is, is what eventually is his downfall to the dark side. I mean, in in his final confrontation with, with Obi-Wan, he says that from his point of view that the Jedi are evil. And and that just goes to show how flawed his thinking can be sometimes and, and how messed up uh, his way of, of doing things is. And, and Ahsoka doesn't have Obi-Wan there to sort of, pull her back like Anakin does because Obi-Wan constantly is going you know you need to you need to ease up on this like you're you're way too attached to this situation or or whatever it is right like he he's the guidance that keeps Anakin from falling to the dark side for so long but Ahsoka doesn't have that she's got Anakin sort of pushing her towards this phase so that's that's my opinion over the next hundred episodes it's possible that we could see this happen um And I think that it's probably the most interesting route that they could go with the character. Uh, Turning a 14-year-old girl Jedi into like the next Sith, essentially, would be really interesting. And we'd get a really cool storyline with Anakin having to confront that. Um, And seeing how he deals with it, as opposed to how Obi-Wan deals with it. Because Obi-Wan doesn't want to deal with it in Episode 3, but he does what he has to do. And, but he doesn't have to be happy about it. Whereas, I don't know that Anakin would be quite the same. Could go two ways. He could either refuse to do it outright and just not do it. Not face the responsibility of the situation. Or, you know, he could just strike her down. But, uh, but that's a lot of speculation on my part. Um, some other cool things about this episode. The moments in the, clone, uh, in the life pod with the clone troopers uh when when they're trying to restore the power to to the systems and uh and, and the one trooper goes no this one goes here that one goes there which is a line lifted directly from the Empire Strikes back that Han Solo says when he's working on the uh on the the Millennium Falcon so a really cool throwback as well as the uh, sort of heavy-handed reference to 1977 uh, in Pod One Nine Seven Seven's designation, which is pretty cool uh, to see that, although a little less subtle than I would like, but uh, but still cool nonetheless. And uh, and and Master Plo Koon finally sort of getting to see a bit of him. He's a Jedi that we've never really explored before. He's he's never been the center of a storyline previous to this, so sort of getting, I mean, we, we hear his voice for the first time. Um, and, and we, we sort of see how he operates and, and I mean, he operates just as any other Jedi would essentially. He's, he's fairly, he's fairly standard Jedi master, sort of, uh, preaching patience and, and that if they work together, that they'll survive and, uh, and not to lose all hope. And, and then, letting the clones know that he values their lives more than finding the, the super weapon, which, which is a fairly big thing because all of the other Jedi are saying, no, we have to find the super weapon, stop it before it does this again. But he's saying, no, every life that's lost is important. Even those of the clones and and the clones kind of, they comment on how they are clones and they're meant to be disposable. And he says, like, he essentially says that's ridiculous. All life is important. All life is precious. It's sort of the same thing that Yoda's saying, in that, in that they're all unique. They're not just these carbon copies. They're not like the battle droids, which you can just cut down a battle droid and, you know, another one will pop up in its place. And they're identical. They all have the same personality. They don't think for themselves. They just follow orders. And they don't have life. And they don't have compassion. And they don't have feelings like the clones do. So really interesting to see that side of another Jedi who feels that way, because in the comics, we, we've gotten that a bit from Anakin. Uh, and in the other stories, we've gotten that from Anakin, but Obi-Wan sort of has this mentality that the clone troopers are clone troopers. It's their job to get in there and fight. That's their purpose in life. Uh, so it's interesting to see the other side of it where some, clone, uh, some Jedi, Feel the opposite that, that the clone troopers lives are just as precious as any other life in the galaxy so an interesting episode not quite as good as ambush definitely not as good as the episode from this past week shadow of malevolence this was by far my favorite episode and it starts aboard the resolute uh, Anakin's flagship and Anakin and Admiral Yularen are briefing shadow squadron on the plan to attack the malevolence Master Plo, who overhears the plan, wonders if they can pull off such a daring and aggressive mission. Anakin lets the squadron's leader, Matchstick, inform Master Plo that they've never failed before, citing minimum casualties, maximum effectiveness. But Master Plo is still not confident. Even minimum casualties could be enough to fail the mission. Aboard the Malevolence, Grievous is laying waste to a Republic convoy. As the last ship attempts to flee, Grievous fires the ion cannon, disabling the ship's ability to jump to hyperspace and leaving it vulnerable. Dooku's holographic transmission informs Grievous of a new target, a Republic medical outpost. The Republic transport then jettisons its escape pods, but General Grievous orders the droids to target the pods. After all, he has a reputation to uphold. Back on the Resolute, Anakin and the clones prepare their fighters, a new long-range bomber called a Y-Wing the assault on the malevolence ahsoka inquires as to which fighter is hers and anakin informs her that she'll be sitting gunner on in his ship prompting her to comment that anakin doesn't trust her flying skills master Plo and Yularen arrive to report the malevolence has attacked the republic convoy of medical ships in the rindella system anakin theorizes that the malevolence is on route to attack their medical station Kalida shoals which is near there Thankfully, the Malevolence will have difficulty charting a direct course, as it is so large. Not a problem for a wing of small fighters, though. Master Plo intends to follow along in his Jedi Starfighter as escort. On Kalita Shoals, Admiral Yularen and Master Kenobi inform Nala the Kaminoan administrator, of the Malevolence intent. Master Kenobi has contacted the Naboo, who are sending ships to help with the evacuation, and he is on his way as well. The Y-Wings launch from the Resolute in an attempt to head off the Malevolence by taking a shortcut through the Nebula, while Obi-Wan and the fleet take the long way around. Arriving at the Nebula, Anakin and Shadow Squadron begin the treacherous route through the dense gas clouds. The scanners are useless in the Nebula, so the Jedi and clone clone pilots must keep their wits about them if they are to survive. Back on Kalita Shoals, The evacuation is taking too long, and some patients are not well enough to be moved at all just yet. Aboard the Malevolence, Grievous and the warship are almost at Kalita Shoals, but they are not moving quickly enough for Grievous' liking. Dooku contacts him to warn that a small contingent of fighters is making their way through the nebula to intercept the Malevolence, but Grievous is confident that Skywalker is flying straight towards his doom. Back in the Nebula, Anakin relays the story of an old smuggler's run that he had heard about when he was a boy on Tatooine. That run is the Balmora run. Master Plo is concerned when hearing the name of this run, citing that the Balmora run is the nesting grounds of the giant Nibra Mantis. As if on cue, one of the massive deep-space leviathans appears out of the mist, then another, and another. Shadow Squadron does its best to maneuver around the gargantuan beasts, but Shadow 2, Matchstick, nicks one of them, losing his left stabilizer. Thankfully, he keeps control of his fighter as they all line up and Skywalker leads them through a harrowing path between the creatures and emerging on the other side of the nebula. Back on the Negotiator, yalaren reports to Master Kenobi that they have managed to evacuate 50% of the medical station, but Obi-Wan is concerned that that is not enough. Approaching Kalida Shoals, Master Plo inquires about the damage to Shadow 2's fighter. Matchstick assures him that it's just a scratch, but Plo reiterates that they must be careful that they cannot afford to lose any ships if the mission is to succeed. Just then, they pick up the signal of a ship coming out of hyperspace. It's the Malevolence. Shadow Squadron engages the massive warship as it launches fighters of its own, then turns to target the fleeing transports with its ion cannon. While the Y-Wings battle the droid fighters, Grievous orders that they fire the Ion Cannon into the fray, catching Republic and Separatist fighters alike. Anakin orders that they make towards the outer edge of the Ion Blast, but is too much for Shadow 2 and its damage stabilizer, causing Matchstick to lose control, colliding with Tag's fighter, destroying both ships. The rest manage to make it just out of range of the Ion Blast, all but Shadows 6, 7, and 10 having lost half their ships, Anakin insists that they can still hold this off, but Ahsoka corrects him, telling him that although he may be able to finish the mission, the others won't. Grievous then targets the medical station, preparing the ion cannon to fire once more. Master Plo suggests that if they cannot do that if they can do enough damage to the ion cannon, it will overload, disabling the devastating weapon. Anakin is hesitant but orders his squadron to fire all their proton torpedoes at the warship's starboard ion cannon. It's a success. As the ion cannon fires, it overloads, disabling both starboard and port ion cannons. As always, Grievous orders a hasty retreat just as Obi-Wan arrives with three Republic warships. On Kalita Shoals, Master Plo congratulates Anakin on the success of the mission. Anakin then meets with Nalasei, who reassures him that the lives he saved count for a lot but Anakin reminds her that so too do the lives that he lost and that's the third episode of Clone Wars Shadow of Malevolence by far my favorite episode um and that's probably because it was just it was faster it was uh faster more intense as as they say uh (laughs) and uh and it just, I don't know, it, it had more of a Star Wars feel than, uh, than Shadow, than Rising Malevolence, the the episode before it, which was really, really slow, and Star Wars is just not known for being that slow. So, it was nice to get back into it, and, uh, and I'm a sucker for fighters. Uh, the Star, Starfighters are, are probably one of my favorite parts of Star Wars. I mean, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the Rogue Squadron games, and the, uh, the, the Jedi Starfighter games and uh, and so this episode and the introduction of the Y wings was really cool and, uh, and seeing them seeing all this, all the starships flying was was great, especially that one moment just after the uh, the Nibra mantas sort of pop out of the mist and you get that great overhead shot of them into the, the core of the nebula and you, you've got like the, the nebulous clouds swirling around that core. And the uh, and the, the knee break flying through it. And it's just one of those moments that makes Star Wars, Star Wars. Seeing that stuff is what makes it worth it. The, that, that unique image of something that you could never see in our day-to-day lives. That puts you there. And makes you think, man, I wish that I was in the Star Wars galaxy. And that I could be seeing this stuff. I mean... All Anakin or Ahsoka had to do was look out their uh, their viewports and uh, and see that right. So, uh, how big of a geek am I? You know, like I, I wish that I was alongside them, and that's one of the moments that makes me wish that. And then uh, later on, when they get into that battle with with uh, Grievous's starfighters and and uh, Shadow 2 doesn't quite make it out of it, and and loses his stabilizer, and Matchstick, who, through the course of the episode, had been making all sorts of comments, and, and we sort of got attached to these characters, within, like the first 10 minutes of the episode, we're like, yeah, yeah, Matchstick's awesome, he's, he's the, you know, like the coolest clone pilot ever, and then, he dies, and, and there it is, like it's ruthless, the, the series, I mean, especially the first two episodes, we've got, sort of three clones to each uh to each jedi in those first two episodes and and they all managed to make it out of it even though thire gets injured and uh and and uh commander wolf and his troops uh get injured being being out in space but none of them die and and this is sort of where we see they don't get attached to them you know because if you get attached to them you're just going to get disappointed when later on down the road they die, because cause it's pretty ruthless, because, I mean, it, he took out another guy as well, and it was just, it was intense, as well as Grievous firing into his own ships, because those droids, like, ion, an ion blast is sort of like an EMP, so uh, the ion blast hitting those droids is going to disable those droids, and that's their lives, you know, like, or, or what can be closest, uh, the closest analogy to, to a droid's life is sort of its processor and everything. And Grievous is that ruthless that he'll fire into his own guys and he'll take them out just to get Anakin, just to take out this, these like, uh, what, 12 ships, right? Uh, he doesn't even realize, I don't think that there's three Jedi there. He just their Republic, and they have to die, and that's his only concern, and it shows you just how ruthless the guy is, I mean he's, I don't even think that he's, he's evil in the sense that uh, Sidious or Count Dooku are evil, uh, Sidious and Dooku are evil because they want power, but Grievous is evil in a completely different way, he doesn't care about power, he's already got power, he has enough power that he needs, what he cares about is destruction. Just out and out killing. Like, that's all he cares about. He's just like a savage murderer. Um, and and he'll take out his own men if it means that he can take out one Republic trooper. So, I mean, again, this is a kid's show. And we saw this in, in, in the episode uh, Rising Malevolence. That even though it's a kid's show... They're not pulling punches I mean in in rising malevolence when those when that pod turned around and that clone trooper was hanging out of it that's a pretty intense moment for tweens nine to fourteen you know like and that's the key demo like that's the largest number of people watching this show is 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 those kids between nine and 14 and and that's a pretty uh, that's a pretty big lesson to learn and it's something. That we don't see in a lot of kids shows these days but that you used to see like when I was a kid um, I mean not necessarily death but kids shows were a lot more uh, a lot more edgy than they are nowadays I mean all of the anime and, and Pokemon and stuff like that it's all like such bubblegum stuff and there's no consequences for actions and uh, and to see a show that's targeted for kids, that's aimed at kids, but that's not gonna pander to them, is really great to see. And then it's also interesting for us as adults, who want to tune in every week and see something that we don't get to see normally, and see something unique in Star Wars. And so, although we gotta deal with the droids being maybe a little bit, uh, a little bit goofy at times, and and Ahsoka kind of making comments every five minutes, which gets a little bit grating on my nerves. Um, it's contrasted by this darkness, by, by seeing things like, like having characters that we've only just met and only just become attached to, like matchstick, go up in flames, uh, excuse the pun. Uh, but, but that's the way it is. And I think that's the way this series is going to be. So, Every time they introduce a new character, you can't be a hundred percent positive that that character is sticking around for more than one episode. This is a three-parter, and Matchstick Stick was only in one episode, <laughs> and and we're never going to see him again. So there you go. Uh, like all bets are off, you know. Uh, especially because we there's characters like Ahsoka, and uh, and coming up in a later episode, we're going to see Kit Fisto's Padawan, and uh, and we've never seen these characters before. They're not in any of the other storylines. So who knows how how they're going to fare in in these battles. Like these are real battles. It's not candy-coated for kids where everybody makes it home safe and and nobody dies. Characters are dying already and, and that makes the show that much more intense and that much more interesting. And it definitely is what made Uh, Shadow of Malevolence stand out above the other two episodes that have aired so far and it's what makes it stand out and and be my favorite above the others because that's interesting to me like that, that side of things is interesting so I'm hoping that we get to see a lot more stuff like that a lot more of the emotional connections to characters and really playing with those emotional connections because that's what's interesting to all of us adults you know Uh, and you can tune into any cartoon show and watch characters go through, uh, wicked fight scenes and, and, you know, the humor and stuff like that. It's in lots of different shows, but Clone Wars, I think is the only one that can take those fights, those battles, uh, and, and that humor and put them in a context and, and make it really interesting for everybody involved, not just kids, but adults alike, so here's hoping that we can see a lot more of that in the future, and especially with the conclusion of, of uh, this three-part arc, uh, Destroy Malevolence, uh, this coming Friday, and so that's the three episodes so far, uh, I apologize for, for not doing a recap of the first two sooner, but like I said, I, I was having issues with my recording program. Uh, so hopefully I won't have that problem in the future. We can kind of go on a week by week episode, uh, episode recap so that maybe we'll keep it down. Cause I know I'm already hitting like the 50 minute mark right now. So, uh, I, I was hoping to have these episodes down to a half an hour, but this one's going to be just over an hour. Probably. Uh, from there we go into our collecting news, not a ton. Uh, we're kind of in that, that lull, in between, uh, sort of, you can get a lot of cool figures come out in the summer, it's usually when new waves, new lines start to, to hit for Star Wars, uh, and then we always get, like, the Galactic Hunt, which is interesting, um, but we're kind of in between that phase and the Christmas phase, so it's a bit of a lull, figures will come out, but, uh, not quite as, not quite as many things as as we'll get as we get a little bit closer to Christmas maybe into later in October and then November but pictures are surfacing of wave 4 of the Clone Wars figures this wave uh, I've got pictures here and uh, the the first figure in the wave is the 212th attack battalion clone trooper this is uh, he looks like he's the same sculpt as the other clone troopers but he's got uh, clean armor and yellow stripes down down his arms and on his helmet, so uh, so he's kind of the clone trooper that goes along with Commander Cody and uh, and the rest of Obi-wan's troopers. Uh, the only difference from this picture is that he comes with the long barreled clone trooper rifle, um, and not not the smaller uh, gosh, I think that they're DC19s, I think that's what they're called, but the sort of more storm trooper blaster rifle that the previous clones have come with but he does come with the rocket launcher that the other clone trooper figures have come with so I don't know I'd like to see a little bit more originality in their weapons see, see some new stuff but oh well it's just it's another clone trooper for you uh, for you troop builders I'll probably pick up one or two uh, to go along with my commander Cody um, and then we have a clone trooper with space gear this is a really cool figure. Actually, probably my favorite out of this wave. Uh, he's got sort of that maroon, red coloring. Uh, and the, the, the helmet deco, just like the, uh, uh, the troopers from, from Rising Malevolence. Master, Master Plo Koon's troopers. Uh, Commander Wolf's troopers, I guess you would say. So he's got kind of like that wolf deco on the front of the helmet. Uh, that's really interesting. And then he also comes with, it looks like the same jetpack that Obi-Wan has with his figure, uh, as well as sort of like a chess piece. Um, actually they look a lot like the, uh, like the chess piece on that, on the, the pilot, the clone pilots from, from, uh, from Shadow of Malevolence. And then it's sort of like a mouthpiece attached to the front of the clone troopers helmet. And then, uh, and then he comes with a little blaster pistol and then one of those Stormtrooper style blaster rifles. Uh, so that's a pretty wicked figure. I'll probably pick up a couple of those too. Uh, and I guess I'll have to end up picking up Plo Koon to go along with those. I tell you, this uh, this, this new line of Clone Wars figures is not doing so great for my checkbook. Because <laughs> these figures are awesome. Uh, second best figure in, the, in this wave is going to be the Magna Guard. This guy looks awesome. Definitely a cool droid for those of you who collect the droids. Uh, it's it's better than any of the other Magna Guards I've seen, cause he's got sort of like the these oversized feet, and uh, and just like the cartoony proportions that the droid that the Magnaguard droids have in the uh, in the Clone Wars series. So he's really cool. He comes with one of the electro staffs, uh, like that electrified staff with the purple lightning on both ends of it that they use to fight the jedi as well as sort of like this big rocket launcher uh accessory that he comes with so that's a really cool figure and then we have padme who comes with this is this is padme from the movie that we saw in in the clone wars movie uh and she comes with sort of like that hood hat thing that she was wearing uh when she went to 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 meet with, um, I can't remember the name of the hut, but uh, uh, that, the hut on, uh, on Coruscant. And she also comes with uh, her Naboo blaster pistol, which goes in, uh, in the holster on her side and a battle droid blaster rifle which i do not understand why they give her a battle droid blaster rifle because she only had one in episode 2 and i guess this epi- this outfit is similar to the one that she wears in episode 2 but uh but i really don't know where she got the blaster rifle from but uh but there it is nonetheless i guess they just want to throw in two accessories with each of these figures and then last in this wave is r3s6 uh, nicknamed goldie and it, this is just uh, it looks like a repaint of the r2 figure but he comes with uh, or well he's he's painted gold and black instead of instead of r2's colors but it looks like identical uh, it's probably exactly the same he's got all the same little doodads popping out of him that the r2 figure has so he probably comes with the same accessories the accessories aren't pictured here but it would be my guess that he comes with the same stuff. So that's Wave 4. I hope to see that. Uh, that that'll probably hit shelves around November, I would guess, because I think Wave 3 should be hitting stores pretty soon. Uh, and then Wave 4 will be, be towards the end of October, beginning of November, probably. Um, as well as that, there's pictures around, out there floating around the web of the new wave of vehicles. And in this wave, we have Obi-Wan's Jedi Starfighter, which is the Delta-7B Jedi Starfighter, which is the new one from the Clone Wars series that we saw in uh, in this latest episode, Shadow of My Loved Ones. It's the one that has the droid uh, positioned in the center as opposed to on the side. So that should be hitting shelves soon, actually. And then we've also got the... Uh, a, a, a new TIE Fighter in the new Clone Wars packaging, which I don't know why they're releasing this with a bunch of other Clone Wars stuff, because it's a TIE Fighter, but this is the white TIE Fighter. It's got the smaller wings. It's not like the uh, that one that's out there right now that, that's to scale. This is the smaller one with the snap-on wings. Uh, and then we have a Trade Federation AAT, and it's a Trade Federation AAT because it's got the blue deco uh, so it's all painted up with the tra- trade Federation logos on it uh, not not the brown one so so those should be hitting shelves as well um, that's really it for collecting news uh, other than that I just recently picked up the Galactic Heroes Jedi starfighter which is also the Delta 7b with the the droid in the center and I freaking love it. I think it's just like the coolest Jedi starfighter that they've released so far. Um, because it's just, it looks exactly the same as any other Jedi starfighter, but it's kind of like squat and cartoony. And and I love the Jedi starfighter and the way that it looks. And I love the cartoony stuff. Um, I mean, I collected a lot of the, the Jedi force stuff. That came out uh, around episode two, between episode two and three, and so so stuff like this is right up my alley. I really enjoy it. So if you if you see it, uh, I, I suggest picking one up. It's a really cool little vehicle for the Galactic Heroes. My only beef, I guess I have two beefs with it, is that uh, it's not properly proportioned for for a Galactic Heroes figure. Uh, Obi-Wan actually fits in there with a lot of room, and his head doesn't even come over the... Uh, the Like, he, he can't even see out of it when he's in it. So, putting a better little seat in there for him to sit on, so that at least his head's popping out, would have been nice, so that he can actually see over the uh, the dashboard on it, but, oh well, it's, it's not a huge deal. It's not a deal breaker. Uh, and then the other thing is that on the package, it shows a um a battle droid that it didn't come with uh, and it's not like the battle droid had been pulled out of the my package alone a, there wasn't even a spot for him so I don't know I know in Canada sometimes we get things a little bit different than you guys do in the states um, so maybe I don't know if, if anybody out there has spotted This figure in the states this vehicle the jedi starfighter for the galactic Heroes. you let me know if you guys actually got it with the battle droid or not because uh because it didn't come with a battle droid uh, here in canada Uh, and that's it for collecting news for this week so let's get into the fan mail Uh, first piece of mail comes from jack and he says hello michael i recently discovered your podcast on itunes and i'm very pleased I think it's great that somebody has dedicated an entire podcast to this show. I listened to all three in one sitting and never got bored. It's informative and entertaining and you really remind me of myself, both love of Star Wars, especially Kit Fisto, bug friends with our obsessions, and like the more collectible products. I didn't just mail to tell you I like your show, though. You probably already heard this, but in case you didn't, there will be new content coming out for The Force Unleashed. And that's why I put your mail in the the podcast this week, Jack. Because, yes, I did hear about this, and I'm actually pretty excited. Uh, It's not exactly Clone Wars news, so it hasn't gone up on the site. But it is really interesting. It seems like they're going to be putting out downloadable content packs for the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360 versions of uh, The Force Unleashed. And what these packs will contain... Is uh, a new mission for the Secret Apprentice, as well as new skins for the characters. So you can play through the game as Luke Skywalker, or uh, or as Kit Fisto, and those are the two images that they've released so far. Which, in my opinion, are wicked because I totally want to play through as Kit Fisto. I will play through the entire game again just to play as Kit Fisto, because as you out there know. I freaking love Kit Fisto, so that's exciting. No news yet on how much they're going to cost or when they're going to be released, or if it's all even going to be one pack, or if the level and the character skins are going to be different, uh, like separate offered separately. But it's my guess that it'll probably be between five dollars and seven. It's probably around like the four ninety nine to six ninety nine area. I can't see it going over six ninety nine. I can't see it being a nine ninety nine thing. Unless we've got, like, over 10 new character models, like, new character skins. Um, So, yeah, there's that. So now you guys know. Uh, But he continues to say, uh, Also, I bought the Obi-Wan figure you talked about, and it's pretty cool. While I was at Target, I spotted a figure you didn't mention, Commander Fox. I found out he's a Target exclusive, and I don't know if you have Targets in Canada, but if you do, you should check him out. He's awesome. Three and a half hours until the premiere for me. Sorry, you have to wait. <laughs> Looking forward to the next episode of your cast, Jack. I, I did know about the Commander Fox figure, but I didn't see him until after I had recorded that first episode because we don't have Target in Canada. But when I went down to Seattle uh, the following weekend, I did see him. Uh, I didn't really like him too much. I'm not a fan of, of the way that his uh, like the Republic logo is painted on his chest it's just uh, the, it's because the republic logo has kind of all those lines like all those parallel lines in it and then over the chest it they kind of get broken up because because of the contour of the chest plate so i'm not really a fan of that figure in particular but uh but if you're the kind of guy who goes out there and collects the uh the target exclusives and all those exclusive figures then then yeah he's definitely a cool figure for that but, uh, but not really my taste so uh, our second piece of mail comes from Brendan in Abbotsford, BC which is actually really close to where I'm at Abbotsford is about an hour, hour and a half away from me in Vancouver uh, and he says Hi Michael, love the podcast keep up the great work on your recommendation I picked up the first issue of the new Clone Wars comic and thoroughly enjoyed it so my question is do you happen to know of any other monthly Star Wars books from Dark Horse that are worth checking out? Thanks, and keep up the great work. Uh, I, I don't get any of the monthly comics, and this is actually probably going to get me some hate mail, but I don't want to recommend any of them because I don't personally like any of the monthly comics. Um, my biggest axe to grind is probably going to be with Legacy. I... <laughs> I can't stand the concept of going that far into the future and having everything be kind of all screwed up and having the Jedi order be in disarray once again and having Cade Skywalker not be a Jedi. Um, I think it does a really, really huge disservice to everything that, you know, Luke Skywalker fought for and Anakin Skywalker died for in return to the Jedi. Um, to go and say that that, lineage of jedi has sort of fallen to the wayside so i'm not really a fan of that and then on top of it i i'm not a fan of any of the artists that they use and and this isn't so much a, a problem that i have with star wars comics as it is a problem that i have with dark horse comics because they do this with other licensed properties as well like buffy where they get kind of mediocre artists with subpar writers and they pair them up And they put out so-so comics. As opposed to putting out wicked comics that are like surefire hits. Uh, But they do it with licensed properties so they get the numbers anyways. It doesn't really matter because there are always going to be people out there. And a good number of people who are going to buy Star Wars comics. Who are going to buy Buffy comics. Who are going to buy these different licensed properties that Dark Horse manages to get their hands on. So... I don't know it's it's just it's really a personal thing i'd like to see a higher quality of comic book i i collect a lot of comics and i just don't feel like any of the star wars ones that are out right now any of the monthlies that are out right now are up to par with those those other comics that i read less such as i mean i read uh x machina and the, the walking dead and why the last man and uh, and the Star Wars comics that are out right now just don't hold up to that sort of thing. They don't hold up to these other great series that are out. They don't move comics forward. They just tell sort of the same old fractured comic book storylines that we're used to. And they go a great deal towards screwing up continuities. And I'm not a continuity freak. Like, I don't have a huge thing with it. But... When your storylines fly blatantly in the face of continuity, it really bothers me, and the comics tend to do it left, right, and center, uh, especially during the, the whole, the previous Clone Wars storylines, when, uh, when we had all the books, as well as the comics, and the micro series, and all of that kind of going at once, and the comics I found were the weakest link of all of those, and they continue to be the weakest link for me. The one exception I'll say is probably, I mean, it's kind of, there's two ends of the spectrum. At one end you've got, uh, you have Legacy, which I absolutely hate, and then at the other end of the spectrum you have, and a Time Spectrum as well, you have Knights of the Old Republic, which I actually don't mind that much. It's it's an okay read. I read the first volume, and I I think I might have read the second volume. And it's an interesting storyline but not not enough to keep me not enough to get me to, to buy it monthly or to pick up the trades I, I might change my mind on that and go back and get the trades but the reason why I'm getting the Clone Wars series is because first of all it's a six-issue mini series. and second of all mostly as a service to you guys so that you know whether or not it's worth it to get it um, If they turn it into an ongoing series, I'll probably keep getting Clone Wars because I expect Clone Wars to be a little bit more of a sort of a serialized uh, issue by issue story. I don't expect there to be an overarching storyline to go through that because it's going to go along with the TV series. So it's just really going to do sort of act as more episodes of the TV series rather than contributing directly to storylines in the series so that being said as many uh issues that i have with the star wars comics that are out there right now i will suggest two books actually it's, it's more like four books uh but two storylines two main storylines out there that are must-haves for any star wars collector the first is probably the most notable star wars stories in comic book form out there and that's going to be dark empire one and dark empire two these are probably the best star wars comics that have ever been produced uh they're kind of from that that uh that resurgence of star wars back in the uh sort of early to mid 90s along with uh the the Thrawn trilogy and and sort of the resurgence of all the books and and Dark Empire I'm pretty sure was the first comic book to be published by Dark Horse uh, after Marvel had done the comics back in in the 70s and the 80s so um in my opinion it's the best it's got the the first storyline about the the Emperor being cloned and being back and sort of bringing the Empire back together. And, uh, and Luke as a Jedi Master. Not just as a Jedi. But as a Jedi Master. Facing down the Emperor again. So a really interesting storyline there. And just wicked artwork. Some of the best artwork in any Star Wars comics. And I can't remember for the life of me the name of the artist right now. But he's done a few other things he did. He did a couple of Boba Fett stories that are actually pretty good as well. But uh, but this was his first Star Wars, uh, uh, his first foray into Star Wars art. So so that's gonna be my first suggestion. If you can pick those up, I suggest you do. Head over to your comic book store right now and get those. Um, and while you're at it, coming from sort of the complete other spectrum, whereas uh, Dark Empire is sort of a mature, adult dark storyline around Star Wars. Uh, Tag and Bink are dead. Is the opposite. Uh, it it takes place. It, the story is about these two uh, rebel troopers who are on the Tantive Four at the beginning of A New Hope, when Darth Vader bursts in, and these two guys are scared out of their wits. And the best thing they can come up with, because they know that all of the rebels on this ship are going to die. Uh, the best they can come up with is to take some stormtroopers armor and pretend that they are stormtroopers so this ends up leading them on an adventure through all three movies all three of the original movies and by the time you finish reading this comic you will look back and you will never be able to watch the star wars trilogy the same again because they are everywhere, they're in like every major scene, in every pivotal battle, they're there, uh, in the background, and you don't even know it until you've read this, so I suggest you definitely pick that up, uh, I can't remember if it's a second book, or if it's also added in the, in, at the end of the same, of the one graphic novel, but there's, there's the sequel, uh, to Tag and Binker Dead, which takes place in the prequels, where we find out that, Tag and Bink are actually, at, at one point they were Padawans, and, uh, and it goes through episode 1, 2, and 3, and, uh, and, and puts them in those movies as well. So, those are, are the Star Wars comics that I highly recommend to everybody listening. If you're a Star Wars fan, you will get a kick out of, out of all of those. Dark Empire 1, Dark Empire 2, and Tag and Bink are Dead. So head out to your comic book store and and check those out because they're definitely worth it. So that's our fan mail for for this week. Uh, And now we have the episode description for next week. I actually was out there reading episode descriptions and I didn't think that any of them did did justice. So I've written my own episode description for this one. And it's based off of the preview that was at the end of Shadow of, of Malevolence. And next episode is Destroy Malevolence in which Padme is captured by the malevolence and it's up to Anakin and Obi-Wan to rescue her but can they save her before Grievous discovers them and, uh, and if you've seen the preview obviously not uh, and hopefully in this episode we'll see an end to the malevolence and it's destructive capabilities and, uh, and some more awesome Jedi action and what I'm most excited about in this episode is going to be that we're going to see Obi-Wan actually do something. I mean, he's been in two out of the three episodes so far, but all he's done is talk. Most of the time he's been a hologram, and that is not the Obi-Wan that I want to see. I want to see the Obi-Wan kicking some Jedi butt and, uh, and, and taking out droids left and right, and, and hopefully we're going to get to see that in this next episode so that's next week this coming friday and don't forget to head over to starwars.com and check out the webcomic leading up to it as i'm sure it will be uh incredibly influential in what happens in the episode so so head over to starwars.com and check that out and watch that on cartoon network this coming friday uh so that is our episode for this week thank you for listening going to remind everybody once again to check out uh, clonewarspodcast.com, which is the home of, of the front lines of the Clone Wars Podcast, as well as heading over to Facebook and joining our Facebook group. Uh, we've got about 30 odd followers now, but I'd like to get that up higher. Uh, I've also, I, I post episode discussion threads, so So it's kind of like our forum, so if you want to go on there and you want to discuss uh, episodes of Frontlines, or you want to go and you want to discuss episodes of Clone Wars, uh, there's other people over there who who also want to discuss it. So head over there and check that out. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, and also you can email your questions, comments, uh, insightful jokes, and other such things to mcohen at... CloneWarsPodcast.com. All uh, right, you can actually head over to the uh, CloneWarsPodcast.com, and there's a link right on there to uh, to our email. As well as that, while you're at CloneWarsPodcast.com, while you're on the website, check out the Frontline Shop, which has links to the custom Clone Wars Zazzle shop, where you can customize your own uh, Clone Wars clothing. Try saying that five times fast. Uh, so uh, they've got a lot of really cool images and it's all official Star Wars merchandise as well we have a link to Starwarshop.com where you can buy uh, the DVD is up there now so you can, you can get uh, the DVD or Blu-ray for uh, Clone Wars um, and every time you head there from the Frontline site it actually contributes to the website and, and helps me keep things running so um, so definitely, if you're going to buy things from StarWars.com, just go to CloneWarsPodcast.com first, click on the link, and head over to StarWarsShop.com, and, uh, and every purchase that you make, uh, a portion of that will go to the Clone Wars Podcast, Frontline's the Clone Wars Podcast. So uh, you'd be supporting the site if you do that, as well as with the Zazzle Shop. So if you're going to buy those clothes, check that out. Uh, You can actually even view some of the items through our website and then head over to Zazzle and purchase them. And that contributes to the site as well. Uh, So that's our episode for this week. Thank you for joining me. I apologize for both the egregious length of this episode as well as me being incredibly late on getting it out. But the following weeks I will have the episode out by the Wednesday following the episode airing. So, uh, a couple of days before the new episode airs. Uh, so, thank you very much for listening, and I'm out of here.